You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Christopher Media, let's make some noise. Cody, don't come in here. Yes, I'm her sister. She passed away. No, I just need four days of electricity while I pack up her house. Other way. Is my son bothering you? No. Well, he's not supposed to talk to strangers, so. Good idea. All righty, folks. Here's your first one. You were supposed to pick me up, remember? Christ, they still let you drive? Oh, come on. <laughs> this is Brandon, and this is Reese. Say hi to Cody. Hi, hi Cody. Cody. Ah! Ah! Where are you? Where away? Where? Disneyland. Okay. Tell Cody I say hi. Oh. My. I just don't know. I don't know what to do. Let's wrestle. Get up. peek inside after all these years I never got a chance to look who's Vera my wife is she dead yep she did a lot of little things I never noticed until she was gone people things you know keep in touch with people these yours my neighbors she knew everybody's birthday you know what I wish? I wish we could do that all over again. It'd be a little more deliberate. Uh, take our time. Take a good look at stuff. Hey folks, welcome to a special episode of The Projection Booth. On this episode, you're going to be hearing from Andrew Ahn, who is the director of Driveways. That is a brand new movie that is making its way around the art house theaters and is available for rent on Amazon Prime. I'm sure you can find it a few other places as well. So please keep an eye out for it. It's a great film and it stars Brian Dennehy and Hong Chow. To kick things off, I had to ask Mr. An how he got interested in becoming a director. I uh, grew up in Southern California and, you know, really loved film, but never thought of it as, as like a potential career. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, would go to Blockbuster Video or like the warehouse and, you know, uh, with my family and we'd rented a couple of, uh, you know, films each weekend and, and, you know, watch them. Uh, it, it was kind of a part of our, our family, um, day to day, week to week lives. So I just kind of continued on just as like a fan, right? And then when I got to college, I, uh, was a bio major and I realized very quickly that like, oh, I really don't want to be a doctor. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't think I'd be a good one. Um, and so I, uh, uh, I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do and I took a film production class and I, I just really fell in love with it. I think I was really into it because I was really bad at it. Like I sucked, you know, and 
I don't know. I think I thought that, um, you know, if I tried hard the way that I like tried hard in my other classes that, um, I would get better, but it, like it was one of those things where, it, you know, it wasn't the same kind of skill set. Like I couldn't just like study and read and like become a better filmmaker. I had to be creative and that, um, you know, that to me just felt like a, a, a new sensation that, um, I wanted to, to like continue to get to, to know and, and, and be familiar with. And so, um, you know, it, it all kind of just, uh, you know, happened from there. How did your parents live with the disappointment in you? It was strange, you know, like my, my parents were, um, really confident that I was going to be a doctor. You know, I did well in my, my science classes, when I told my mom that I was thinking of applying to film school, she said to me, you know, like, why don't, why don't you go to med school first? And then if you really don't like it, then you can go to film school. And I was like, I'm not going to spend years in med school, you know, like, I, I don't want to do that. And she was like, well, you know, like Michael Crichton did that. Like he was a doctor before he wrote Jurassic Park. And I'm just like, ah, oh, you know, I know what I want. I know what I want to do now, you know, and I was pretty confident with myself. You know, and, and eventually, like, my parents became very supportive. I think part of it was that they liked that I was going to be back in Los Angeles, you know, that this is where the industry is. Um, you know, I think they also appreciated that, like, this was a kind of an entrepreneurial career that, like, I was kind of, you know, I was my own boss in the way that, you know, my parents who are, you know, Korean American immigrants, like, that, that's, that's what they wanted, you know, for, for their own lives and that's what they do. And so, um, you know, I think they were, cool with that yeah i just remember there was one evening uh we were watching the golden globes and uh this was while i was in film school someone you know won a golden globe and you know thanked his mom and they like cut to his mom in the audience like you know crying and my mom looked at me and she was like that that could be you and me and i was like oh no <laughs> like, this, this is a lot of a lot of expectations now um so, you know, it, it very quickly went from like disapproval to like acceptance to like, um, uh, delusion. <laughs> when you were going through film school and when you're watching all these movies as you're growing up, were there any particular films or directors or anything that just kind of really served as an inspiration for you? You, you know, it's like you love the things that kids love, right? Um, but I think, you know, I, I started to develop like a taste and like I, I like really, fell in love with um like Jackie Chan movies you know there was just something about them that I found like so entertaining and he was so like charismatic and great you know and then it wasn't until I would say like high school where yeah I started watching DVDs with friends and like listening to DVD commentary and and you know like realizing like wow like they're they're making these like interesting choices that like make me feel this way, you know? And so peeling back the curtain a little bit, you know, was, was fun for me. And yeah, I remember watching like eternal sunshine, just thinking like, wow, this is so cool, you know? And, uh, you know, led to me taking a film history class in college, you know, where I, you know, watched, uh, like I watched, uh, days of heaven. And, um, I was like, whoa, like I didn't realize like you could make a movie like this. And, you know, like I watched a Bollywood film, I watched a Wong Kar Wai film, you know, I saw Chungking Express and I just was like, oh, like this is an art form, you know, like this is an art form. 
it was really kind of a slow and steady journey for me. But I think it, it, it always boils down to, um, like films are experiences. You know, I love, I love like to experience something, um, to like see something that I, you know, hadn't seen before or, or meet someone that I've never met before. Like, uh, you know, I think there's, there's a thrill to that, um, that, you know, I don't, I don't think will ever go away for me. Tell me about some of those early films that you were making. What, what were they like? The first films that I made, you know, in, in, in college were you know, these short, super pretentious <laughs> kind of explorations of my identity and uh, about love, you know, even though I had real, like no real sense of what that meant. You know, it, it was just me trying to figure out being an adult, like an emotional being. And I was proud of the work, you know, I, I think especially because I was like filming it myself, you know, I was shooting on film on 16 millimeter and I, you know, I just loved being able to like run around with a camera. But, um, you know, when I went to film school, I, I really struggled to kind of find a point of view. And it wasn't until my second year in film school where someone said, Hey, you know, why don't you write what you know? I didn't quite, you know, I'd heard that before, but I never took it seriously. And then I was like, you know, like maybe I'll try that first year in film school, like I was making, like I made a zombie musical, like I like wrote and directed this short film about like a soldier coming home from war. And like, none of it was anything that I had like real insight into. And so I, I finally made a, a short film about a Korean American family. And like, suddenly I was like, Oh, like I have had built up thoughts about this for, for years and, and people are watching it you know, getting something from it. And I played that short film at slam dance. It played the festival circuit. The next year I made a short film about a gay Korean American man that, um, you know, screened at Sundance. And, and then I realized like, Oh, like I, I, I have a purpose to my work. I have a, um, a mission statement. And, and, um, that to me was just so necessary to find in film school, for me to kind of, you know, hit the ground running and, and, uh, enter the industry, like make my first feature. Is it true that you came out to your folks through film? I did. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, so I came out to my parents, my uh, last year in film school, I had made this short film called Dole First Birthday that went to Sundance a couple months after I graduated. And my experience of film school was like so gratifying in some ways, you know, I, I was learning a lot uh, about myself as, as an artist, but then, you know, uh, really learning about myself a lot as a filmmaker, you know, film school was the first space I had ever been in the first community. I, I was a part of that. I had been an out gay man, you know, since day one, but I was still, you know, very closeted to my family who I was living with at the time by the end of film school, it felt like, you know, I should come out to them. And then I, you know, realized that like the film that I was developing for my thesis, you know, needed a big Korean family. And I was like, well, I've got one of those. Like, let me just, let me just put them in the movie. And then I was like, oh, but if I put them in the movie, they're going to want to know what this movie's about. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe you can, you know, kill two birds with one stone. And so, um, you know, I shot the film without telling them, um, you know, because if I did, they probably wouldn't have agreed to do it. And then I showed, you know, I showed my parents the film, you know, after I was done with it to say, hey, like, like, this is my story. Like, I'm gay. And 
you know, in retrospect, it was a little bit silly, you know, actually, and, 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 and maybe even more dramatically, like, you know, very unethical, you know, to, like, yeah, like, you know, to, to have people be in your film without them knowing what it is. But, um, you know, I, I felt okay about it in that, like, they were my family and, and, and also just, I felt like I had, you know, like history on my side, you know, that like I wanted to, to make something that felt like it could change, you know, hearts and minds. And so, um, you know, I went through with it, but it was, it was tough. It was really tough. But, uh, you know, I, I do think that what that helped me with for the, you know, the rest of my career is this sense of, you know, like what is my personal connection, you know, to my work and, and what, what's at stake, you know, like, cause, cause if you don't have, both of those things, you know, when you make your films, then, you know, like it's not worth it. It, it. There's no, there's no point. I've talked many times on this podcast as far as the importance of representation. Do you see many gay Korean gentlemen in movies or TV or just, you know, where do you see those faces and, and actually are able to connect with people that you see on screen? I was really fortunate in some ways that, um, like living in Los Angeles, like there was there there were opportunities to seek out certain things. You know, I, I remember going to my first Outfest film festival screening in, in Los Angeles and um and it was for a, a gay Korean movie that um uh, I I had uh, heard about and you know I went by myself and um and it was really you know it, it was it was really uh like thrilling for me. But yeah, you know like there there aren't many representations. Like you know they I'm not going to lie and say that they don't exist and I, I, I'm the only one that makes these movies, but, um, you know, it, it is, uh, you know, not, uh, it's not a common, you know, occurrence. And so yeah, I, I think representation is, is important. And, but I do want to kind of take the conversation to the next step and say, you know, it, it's not just seeing uh, us on screen. It's kind of like what you, what you do with it. Right. And what you're saying it, with it and, and, you know, and, and, and so for me, like, I am excited that I think that there are more and more representations of, you know, Asian Americans, queer Asian Americans, um, you know, uh, that are reaching, you know, uh, wider and wider audiences. Um, you know, my hope is that, that these films have a meaningfulness, right? Um, beyond just like, hey, look, like, you know, that's like a, hot gay Asian man. And like, that's cool. Like, you know, for me, it's like, oh, I hope there's more to that than just, you know, that statement. Well, speaking of hot gay Asian men, how did Spa Night come around? Spa Night was a real extension of my short film that I had made, my thesis film, Dole First Birthday. I was really, you know, interested in that intersection of, of gay and Korean American identity that exists within me. And then I, I found out that gay men were hooking up at these Korean spas in Los Angeles. And, and, and then I realized like, oh, like this intersection that exists within me also exists within this location. And so I, I just became really obsessed with the spa as a concept, as a, as a, as a space. And so for me, it felt like what better location is there for a gay Korean American coming of age story than a gay Korean spa, you know, you know, it was a struggle. Um, I worked on that film. I, I was writing the script for about four or five years while I was working day jobs, you know, like I was, uh, uh, an admissions counselor for a college. I was a tutor. I was a, like an academic advisor. Like I was doing these things that, uh, like I felt like 
you know, I, I, I could do, but like, wasn't my passion. And, um, and I, I just, you know, would work my nine to five and then come home, eat dinner and then write for four hours before I like collapsed and had to be up just a couple hours after that. It was a lot of hard work, but I, I had a very singular focus. And then, you know, when we got into Sundance with, uh, with Spawnite and we were playing, you know, U.S. dramatic competition, I was like, Oh, like, I think it's time to quit the day job. Did that eventually lead you into this close? After premiering Spawn Night at Sundance, you know, I, I finally had representation. I had a, a an agent and a lawyer and, you know, they asked me, like, what do you want to do next? Like, what do you want to make? And I said, you know, I, I, I'm a little bit sick of myself, actually, you know, like Spawn Night was such a kind of personally inspired film that I, wanted to do something outside my own experience. And so they were like, you know, we'll, we'll take a look around. And, um, eventually the scripts for this close came my way and this close was created, written and, uh, starring two actors who are deaf, uh, Shoshana Stern and Josh Feldman, you know, it was so personal to them in the way that Spawnite was personal to me. And, and it, you know, revealed so much about their humanity and, and to a certain extent also like deaf culture that, uh, I, I wasn't, you know, very familiar with. And so, you know, getting to work on, you know, this close, like, uh, felt like, uh, you know, I was, I was opening myself up to a different experience in a way that, you know, I, I felt really, uh, like honored to, to be a part of. It was definitely a collaboration. Like, I, I don't think I, I, can claim the same kind of authorship that I could on Spawnite, you know, with this close, but you know, that's fine. Like I, again, like I was kind of sick of myself. Like I didn't need that kind of attention, but yeah, you know, like that was my first TV experience. I got to direct the full first season and, um, and you know, Josh and Shoshana were just so, you know, they're just so damn talented that I was like, you know, I, I want to help them make something that, um, you know, like moves their career forward, you know, like allows them to, um, like showcase their talent, um, you know, uh, as writers, as performers, you know, um, I, I, I want the world for them. What kind of challenges are there directing a, a show that has two deaf leads? It is a, a fascinating thing because, you know, as I was, shot listing, you know, thinking about the, the visual style of the show, I, I realized that, um, you know, narrative filmmaking conventions are actually like very ableist, like shot reverse shots, like over the shoulders, you know, the way that you edit. If a scene is all in American sign language, if you don't see the sign language, then, um, you don't understand the line like there's you don't get the information. And so, you know, doing a, an over the shoulder shot like you, you kind of can't do that unless you like continue to cut back, you know, quickly back and forth. Um, even even the close up, you know, like super tight close ups, um, you lose, um, you know, the, the hands. And so uh, it, it's hard to, you know, know what they're communicating. And so, uh, you know, I, I I had to find, you know, different ways to to shoot and edit the show. Uh, and so I, I worked with a really wonderful cinematographer, Bruce Chung, and then two really wonderful editors on that first season, um, Kate Hickey and Juro Brisson. And, um, you know, we found a way to do it that just made the filmmaking form feel more equitable. 
I didn't even think about that until I, I had already gotten a job and was, you know, like in the pre-production process, I was like, Oh man, like super tight close-ups are going to be a problem, but I still want to get that, you know, that thrill that you get from like seeing a close-up. So like, you know, how do we do it? And, you know, we, we did some things that I thought, uh, you know, were, were helpful. Like we shot at, um, you know, kind of lower angles, kind of up at faces so that the plane of the hands and the face like kind of got uh, synced up a little bit better. We, we played around a lot with, with two shots so that like you could see both people and, you know, you could see, uh, the, the sign language clearly. We made, uh, choices. How did you end up with driveways? So driveways came my way because of, uh, one of our producers, Joe Pirro, uh, who, you know, has been working with James Seamus for, for years now. And he had been, you know, working with these two writers, playwrights in New York, Hannah Boss and Paul Thoreen on their first screenplay. You know, he had seen Spa Night, uh, like really loved it. And, you know, when driveways got to this point where they were ready to reach out to directors, um, you know, he told me that I was, I was the, uh, the first person on the list that he wanted to, to send the script to. And I, I think it takes a real producer of, of vision to, uh, send the script to driveways, um, to a filmmaker whose first feature is about having gay sex in Korean spas. <laughs> but, you know, like Joe has vision. Like he, he understood like that I would respond to the humanity of the screenplay. Um, and, you know, I read the script twice in one day, which is something that I don't do um, usually. And, you know, I realized that um, I was just so drawn to uh, the script's humanity and and how the, you know, the drama of the story is is um, caused by uh, is 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 caused by love. Right. It's not that there's like hatred or a villain you know, the drama is actually the fact that these two people, you know, just like love each other too much. And that to me is just, in some ways, it's more heartbreaking. I was like, this is, you know, something I want to do. And I did this thing that I've done often in my career, but has never worked before, um, which is I, I said to, you know, the producers, hey, like, what if I make them Asian? And, you know, it's a little reductive of me. Um, but like, hey, like, I, I care about Asian American stories. And if I can continue to, to make them and I can, like, flip a project to be Asian American, I'm going to try. Um, and, you know, for this project, it, it, it made sense. You know, Kathy and Cody, this like mother and son, like, you know, they feel like outsiders in this small town that they're you know, uh, uh, kind of forced to stay in. And, and so, you know, what if their isolation, you know, and, and their kind of feeling of otherness, like is externalized in their race, you know, um, you know, I think it's a real credit to Joe and, and James that they thought it was a great idea, you know, like for me, like that is so cool, you know, and a, and a real sign of, um, you know, just like, good people that you want to work with, you know? And so, uh, you know, they gave me the job and, and, you know, the, the rest is history. The actors, the caliber of acting that is in this movie is just fantastic. Can you tell me about some of the folks that you worked with? Hong Chow, uh, was just like such a dream, you know, she's such a fantastic actress. She makes every scene, you know, she's in like just that much more interesting and exciting. 
there's a lot of just Kathy cleaning this house, you know, her, her dead sister's house. And, um, you know, that's, that's not like super exciting stuff in some ways, but she made it just look so interesting, you know, every scene. And, you know, and, and the other thing that I, I, you know, really noticed with Hong is that, um, every scene that she was in, with uh with Lucas, her young co-star who plays her son Cody in the film, Lucas is just like that much better, like in those scenes, you know, like there's just something about her energy that he really vibed with. And and that's just, you know, it's a generosity, right? Like the you know, actors who are giving um, you know, the other actor like something to work with. Um, you know, similarly, like Brian Dennehy you know, he could have come on set, phoned this performance in, and I would have been super thankful. But he really tried, you know, he wanted to make this film as best he can. And um I remember uh there's a a scene, you know, toward the end of the film where uh his character kind of breaks some bad news to Cody. Um and uh we shot Brian's close ups first and then we shot Lucas's close ups. Um, and then, uh, we were finished with the scene and, and then Brian came up to me and said, Hey, like, you know, Lucas was so good and he was, you know, doing so many interesting things. Like it's given me some ideas. Um, you know, do you mind if we, uh, film my side over again? And, and the fact that, you know, he was humble enough to say like, Hey, like I'm inspired by my 11 year old co-star and that he wanted to like stay on set, you know, and keep working like, um, you know, that's like such a gift, you know, as a director, like I could not um, have asked for more, you know, and it's a real indication that uh, like Brian was was not just like a great actor. He was just a great person. I'm so glad to hear that. I I've, I'm such a fan of his work and it was so sad, his passing. But yeah, having this as one of his final performances, I think is a real tribute to him. It, he was just incredible in this. He was so good. He, he just, again, like he, he tried every, every take, every scene, you know, um, and, uh, you know, I, I hope I'm that motivated to keep making work, you know, at, at that age. And, you know, I, I'm glad that I got to work with, with Brian on, on this film because, um, you know, that role that, you know, the story, like it, um, it feels like a really great tribute to him. To really show, you know, like who he was, you know, just this generous, kind, caring person. Yeah, they always say not to work with kids, but you got some amazing performances out of all of these child actors. I mean, you talked about Lucas, but and and I agree, he is fantastic. But down to the smallest role. Thank you. Yeah, um, you know, I, I like working with kids. Uh, it, it's definitely a challenge. You know, there's there's kind of a, a different way that you have to, you know, just. Um, like beyond set and, and communicate notes. But, um, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it's always just the same, um, kind of basic principle, which is as a director, I want to create an environment, like foster, uh, um, an environment for the actors that allows them to be comfortable and, and to play. I never wanted to discourage them. You know, I, it was always just about like, let's have fun and like explore and, and, you know, try different things, you know, that, that is, is always the best way to get an, an actor, whether they're an adult or a child, like to open up and be vulnerable on screen in this way that, you know, if you yell at them, they're just not actors shut down. Like, you know, it's, it's not a, it's not going to be a good performance. 
how was the film received when it first came out? The film was, you know, received really well. I, the film has such heart. It's kind of undeniably authentic. And so I, I was really gratified that, you know, so many people were, were watching and, and just, you know, really responding to it. You know, my parents got to see this a couple months ago at a film festival in San Diego, the San Diego Asian Film Festival. And, um, and my mom was like, this one we can like, like show it to friends. And I was like, okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad. Um, you know, it, it's definitely more accessible than Spawnite. And, and I'm happy to do that because, you know, especially in a time like this, you know, meaningful stories, stories about like connection and friendship. You need it, you know, uh, it, 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 you have to kind of fill your soul up again. Andrew, thank you so much for your time. This has been a real pleasure talking to you. I hope we can do it again sometime. I'd love to. I'd love to. Thanks.
If you enjoy this show and want more people to know about it, head on over to iTunes, leave a comment, and rate it five stars. Make sure you like and share us on Facebook, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter. Just search for Christopher Media. Thank you in advance for supporting Christopher Media by clicking on the PayPal button and by clicking through to all the sponsors who support ChristopherMedia.net. Most importantly, we would like to take the time to extend an extra special thanks to you. Christopher Media could not exist without your support. Thank you for visiting ChristopherMedia.net, and thank you for listening. Christopher Media, let's make some noise.